What is going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I have special guest Heather Cohen on the podcast, and I've got a slight issue because for whatever reason, her audio just did not sound optimal. I don't know if it was something with the post-production or what. I couldn't edit it out, um, so I apologize. It's a little bit of instances where it fades in and out. I'm super apologetic for that. I I hate that y'all have to listen to that. Um, However, the information she puts down is just gold, so... I didn't want to scrap the files by any means, so we are publishing this podcast. Again, just please bear with the fact that there's a couple instances where her audio cuts in and out, but I feel like she's got some great information, so stay tuned, listen in, and learn something. We're going to dive into all things cancer. We're going to dive into food sensitivities. we got all kinds of things in the work. So without further ado, how are you, Heather? I'm doing great, Robert. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. I feel bad because you emailed me reaching out about getting on the podcast like months and months and months ago. And for whatever reason, I just like randomly found the email and I felt bad even responding because it had been way, way past the time that I should have responded. So I appreciate you uh, dealing with me there. Yeah, no problem at all. I feared it would take a while for you to get back to me. It just you know, stuff. it does. It does. Well, give give me and the audience a little insight onto, uh, you know, you, you kind of went into a little bit in that email, but I'd love to hear it from you instead of read it from you, but just kind of flesh out uh, what brought you here. Yeah. So like, how did I discover keto and like, why are we chatting? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. Sure. So my story is kind of long, actually. And in 2007, actually, I got really sick. I was traveling to Boston for a friend's birthday, and I ended up with what turned out to be a case of the flu. And at that time, found out that I had um, a thyroid condition, turned out to be Hashimoto's, autoimmune thyroid disease. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I started kind of researching, how do I deal with thyroid disease? How do I treat it? What is it? Discovered that conventional doctors tend to miss a lot of thyroid panels when they do tests and found out there's this whole natural um, area of treatment for Hashimoto's and, and hyperthyroid altogether. And I started seeing a naturopath and we discovered that I had some food allergies. I'm allergic to gluten and dairy. I said, okay. So I struggled in terms of trying to cut those foods out for a long time because it turns out that the proteins in gluten and dairy are opioids and you get literally addicted to them. So it was hard for me to cut those out. And then my career took off. I'm in marketing and I was under chronic stress for a long, long time and kind of sucked into my job. So I quit worrying about trying to cut those foods out. Fast forward seven years later, age of 37, um, I start having additional issues. Um, and I was actually diagnosed with another autoimmune condition, which turns out to be my first autoimmune condition. I ended up with lichen sclerosis, which is a really, really nasty autoimmune condition where your immune system attacks your genitalia. And if it goes untreated, it can develop into cancer. So I was also diagnosed with vulvar cancer. So I got those two in one doctor's appointment, double whammy. And it was because, yeah, Perfect it was because storm. I didn't um, do what I was supposed to do and stop eating those foods that I was sensitive to. So it led to chronic systemic inflammation, which led to additional autoimmune, which eventually developed into cancer. Can, can I pause you for one second? I want to flesh this out a little bit more. So with when you had the when you found out that you had the sensitivities, so like what kind of uh symptoms were you getting and did you notice it? Like did you 
uh, like were you in tune enough to recognize that, hey, this is only happening when I'm eating the gluten and dairy? So the thing with um, food sensitivities is most often, unless you like, unless you have an anaphylactic reaction where you need an EpiPen to kind of save your life immediately, they're almost always delayed. So mm -hmm. if I have, um, let's say I'll have a sandwich right now using regular bread that has both gluten and dairy, I probably won't have any symptoms until tomorrow morning. So I may wake up very mucusy and with itchy eyes and runny nose, itchy ears, um, probably swollen joints, um, feeling just kind of swollen all over, lots of water retention, inflammation, um, foggy brain, I might get headaches, but it's always later. Um, and at the time, before I actually cut those foods out completely, I was eating them every single day. And so you just start to feel like crap all the time and you don't know any difference. So no, I did, I couldn't connect the dots. <laughs> I had to actually do allergy testing. So we did blood panels to get all of that. Gotcha. And you mentioned that there's a there's a op opioids in the dairy. I didn't know that. Yeah, so gluten and, and dairy both, the main protein, casein and gluten, mm -hmm. they actually are very similar chemically to an opioid. So they pass the blood-brain barrier and connect to uh, it's either dopamine or serotonin receptors, one or the other. And that's wow. why it's so difficult for people to get off those foods. So they actually say things like, I'm addicted to bread or I'm addicted to donuts. Sugar doesn't help, of course, but it's usually those two things. And I actually think that's the reason behind keto. Actually, an opioid detox off of gluten rather than, you know, keto. Like it's not, <laughs> I don't think it's a ketosis thing. I think it's a detox off of gluten. Interesting. I, I didn't mean to, to interrupt you there. That's so okay. just to <laughs> back where you were. Uh, where was I? Ah, so I had just been diagnosed with vulvar cancer and lichen sclerosis. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but I had had symptoms of lichen sclerosis since I was 12 years old. And it turns out I've been allergic to dairy since I was born. My main allergy. So, like, over time, these things just kind of eroded. I was 30 years old when I found out that I was allergic to gluten and dairy. I was 37 when I was finally diagnosed with cancer and lichen sclerosis. So it takes a while for this stuff to actually do a number on your system. Um, cancer is pretty catastrophic diagnosis, right? <laughs> yeah, not not, that's not what you so, want to hear. Um, I went ahead and did went through surgery. Um, the cancerous tissue, unfortunately, was in a place where they actually wanted to castrate me in the process of removing it. And I refused. I said, leave important pieces intact because it turns out that cancer of the vulva actually, um, it has a 40% recurrence rate. So if this was going to be my very first at getting rid of it, I was going to leave my body as intact as possible. So I was like, don't, don't take anything that you don't have to take. Just get as much of the right. cancerous tissue as you can. And then we'll go from there. The doctor agreed with me and went with it. And he's like, okay, I'll get as much as I can. And we'll be set from there. And then, um, Pathology came back, and of course, he couldn't get it all. He took as much as he could, but he didn't get it all. So I did not get what they call clear margins, which means they want um, two to five, two to four centimeters around the whole piece of tissue that they take to be clear um, of cancerous tissue. So that's what they mean by clear margins. So they did mm -hmm. not get clear margins. And he said, okay, so you have two choices. Either you let me go back in and take whatever I need to take in order to get all of the tissue out and get clear margins, or go through a very intense round of radiation with chemotherapy alongside. It would have been 35 treatments of radiation 
and the consequences would have been very serious. Um, I could have lost my rectum, my bladder, all of my reproductive organs. I would have gone into early menopause. Um, sexual function would have been completely gone. All of that. Like radiation to the lower half of your torso is pretty intense. And I didn't like either of those options. So instead, hmm. I went to my naturopathic doctor. So my naturopath and I started working together when I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's 30. And I told her what was going on. And she gave me a very stern talking to and said, the kind of cancer you have, which is squamous cell carcinoma, is something that we can actually treat naturally. You don't have to go through radiation and chemo. She told me a few stories of, of patients that she had helped in the past. And I said, okay, I'll try it. And I started working with her and a naturopathic oncologist as well. And they are the ones who prescribed the ketogenic diet. So it was for cancer treatment that actually brought me to. Wow. So they, they had the foresight to, to implement the ketogenic diet for, and this was, you said seven years ago. So this was really before uh, keto was making much of a buzz at all. So cancer was actually in 2017. Gotcha. gotcha. Seven years ago was Hashimoto's. Uh, two years ago was the cancer and the lichen sclerosis. So keto has been around, um, but it turns out that Arizona, I live in Phoenix, is a mecca for natural cancer treatment. There's a lot of clinics here, and they are all using variations. I'm curious, what, what is going through your, your head when you're getting these diagnoses? I mean, like when you're hearing this from the doctor, before you even knew of, you know, the naturopathic, uh, you know, method to go about it, I mean, what was, what was your mindset? Um, a little bit of shock a little bit of disbelief, a lot of guilt, actually, because I, I knew that something had to be connected because I had had health issues with my autoimmune stuff and I hadn't been taking care of myself. I was under extreme stress, chronic stress. Um, I was drinking too much to deal with that stress. I was eating all the wrong foods to deal with that stress, working too much, um, not sleeping as well as I should have been. So all those things were kind of misaligned. Um, it turns out my values actually were misaligned. I was completely absorbed in my work and I wasn't actually living my life. Uh, so I had a lot of guilt actually during that time. But I also had a lot of, um, I don't know, like my rebel tendency came out really bad when my oncologist told me that this was the only option. He's like, there's only three ways that we treat cancer. You either burn it out, you poison it, or you cut it out. He's like, that's it. That's all we got. <laughs> and I was like, there has to be a different way. And I do remember clear as day, I remember looking my oncologist in the eye and asking him, is there anything that I can do diet or lifestyle wise to help myself? And he just very honestly said, no, not at all. There's nothing you can do and it's not your fault. And I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> there's yeah, gotta it, be a way. I don't, I don't want to, you know, paint doctors in a negative light by any means, but there's so many instances of, like I was watching um, uh, that new documentary, Fat, uh, a documentary by, you know, Vinnie Tortorich. Uh, I was watching that last night. And they were interviewing people, um, you know, like with the, the Charlie Foundation. They were interviewing parents that had epileptic children. And these parents would go to these doctors and they'd ask if there's anything they can do from a diet and lifestyle standpoint to make just the smallest bit of difference. And the doctors were all like, no, there's, there's literally nothing you could do. <laughs> and it's just like amazing that they don't even look at nutrition as, I mean, it's just, it's not even an afterthought. It's like not even a thought. Right. It's not part of their toolkit, unfortunately. Doctors um, are not really, in my experience, they're not really experts in treating a patient mm -hmm. or treating health. 
they're in disease care. By the time you get to a doctor in the conventional sense, you're there to treat a disease or a condition, and that's what they're there to treat. They're not really there to help you get healthy or to help you improve your quality of life. They're trained specifically to deal with that disease that you have. And oftentimes it's mostly about drugs and um, surgical procedures and those types of things than it is looking at your entire lifestyle and your life and putting it back together there, which is why I went the whole way. You... So, no, I didn't mean to catch you after what we're saying. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to talk about how I went through natural treatments instead. I refused conventional. When you had the idea of doing this this natural treatment, did you think that it was a, a total shot in the dark, or did you feel like it was? Were you, were you pretty confident that it would make a difference? I was kind of waffling back and forth for a long time. Um, a long time being a few days because you have to make these decisions quickly. But um, I was scared to death to go through with conventional treatments because of the consequences that I'd have to live with for the rest of my life, the damage it could do to my body, and no guarantee that it would actually work. And I was also scared to death to refuse the standard of care and treatment and go with naturopathic means because those also no guarantee that they would work. The reason I chose to go the naturopathic means is because I was going to have to commit three months of my life um, spending, I think it was, how long did I spend? I spent an, like two and a half hours getting an IV three times a week, and I spent an hour in the HBOT three times a week. What is that? two, three and a half, uh, three, six, nine, ten. It's like ten and a half hours a week for three months. That was the treatment that I was going to have to put together for naturopathic. And I was going to have to change my eating habits. And I was going to have to start exercising. And I was going to have to slow down and manage stress and figure out how to do that. I was going to have to deal with emotional baggage that I was carrying. So when I looked at what I was going to have to do and the work that I was going to have to put into the naturopathic route, there was really no way that could come out bad like all those things were good for me <laughs> so even if it didn't yeah, get rid of the yeah. cancer all of that that change and all of those new habits that was all good for me. so either way i was going to come out on top if i went natural path way so that's why i went that way was there any risk of it spreading like the the cancer spreading or was it pretty localized yeah so i got lucky and when we caught it it was a localized tumor um, and it had not spread to my lymph nodes or anything. So um, that's always a risk. Um, when I went through the naturopathic uh, route, they actually put me on a supplement called modified citrus pectin, which has been shown in clinical trials to reduce metastasis of cancer cells. And so they had me taking that every single day to try and reduce the likelihood that it could spread while I was going through those treatments. So can you, I'm, I'm not honestly too personally familiar with naturopathic remedies because I've I've never... Uh, I've been lucky enough to not have to ever go through them um, myself. But what what was like the protocol that they advised you to go with as far as like the the stress reduction, the the better sleep, the nutrition? Like, what was their game plan? Sure. So um, they gave me handout after handout after handout. My my um, naturopathic oncologist. I saw her three times a week, every week for three months, and every time I went in, she gave me a new piece of information or a uh, piece of paper. And she basically just went through my life piece by piece and then was addressing each of these areas. Like, okay, so first of all, here's your diet options. You have the mitochondrial diet or you have the ketogenic diet. Choose one and then we'll help you follow it. I chose ketogenic, so we went with that. And then it was, okay, we need to add movement. So I don't want you doing anything crazy, uh, but I want you to walk or do yoga or something low impact um, two to three times a week. 
start doing that. And then she added sleep. She's like, okay, I want you to take 20 milligrams a, a night of melatonin, <laughs> which is not only just for sleep, but it was also, uh, it's a very high dose. Um, yeah, it's a ton, 20 milligrams? 20 milligrams a night, yeah. It's, a, it's actually for cancer treatment itself. It's a high antioxidant. So mm. that, and then she's like, I also want like no electronics before you go to bed. I don't want any food like an hour before you go to bed. Like anything that has been known to potentially disrupt sleep, she wanted me to cut it out. So really focusing on winding down a couple hours before bedtime, no electronics, um, no blue lights. So I had to put the blue blue light blockers on all of my devices. I didn't go so far as to get blue blocker glasses. I probably should have, but I didn't. Um, uh, she had me get blackout curtains for my bedroom, those types of things to just optimize my sleep. Um, and then she also wanted me to start getting sunshine early in the morning. Like, I want you to get like sun in your eyes as soon as you wake up in the morning, and I want you to actually do your exercise early in the morning, also to optimize the sleep. Uh, what else did she do? Then we went through detox. She's like, because you're going to have die off from the cancer cells as they're dying off, I want to make sure that your detox pathways are optimized. So she had me do dry brushing, to get my lymph system moving. She had me do um, oil pulling, to actually um, get bacteria and detox out of my oral cavities. Um, she wanted me to drink lots and lots of water, make sure that I had regular bowel movements, all of those things to make sure detox was happening. So we just went through kind of piece by piece along all of the things that are known to be um, to be good for quality of life. Could you tell a difference from the dry brushing in particular? I've heard a lot of people, uh, you know, praise that, but I've never, I've never done that myself either. Sure. Um, it was, it helped the quality of my skin externally, but I didn't notice a whole, I didn't notice much of a difference when I was doing it. I felt, um, I felt good after I did it. I don't know if it was because it was like a self care type ritual or if it was actually moving something in my way. I don't know. But I did feel good after. Hmm. Yeah, it was interesting. Oil pulling was gross, and though. <laughs> oil pulling was terrible. That's for the coconut oil, right? Yeah, you use either coconut or sesame or just a type of oil, and you put it in your mouth, and you're supposed to swish it around in your mouth for, like, a good, like, 10 minutes. And it just, ugh. Ugh. I don't feel like I'd ever be able to eat coconut anything after that. Yeah, it was gross. But I did it. <laughs> <laughs> So, so what, like in doing that, you said you did that and you had that, uh, you know, to a T for three months solid, mm -hmm. three months solid. I also for Whoa. stress management quit my job. So I was a high profile marketing executive for a VC backed SaaS tech company. Um, mm -hmm. so I was responsible for revenue growth of the entire corporation and I quit my job. So I quit that and started, you know, thinking about consulting on my own. So that was a huge difference, just getting rid of that burden of my job. That's awesome, though. A lot of people, they get trapped in their employment, and then they don't have any options. So it's awesome that you had the the, the grit to just cut the cord and let that safety net fall and give, their, give your own self the attention it needed. Yep, yep, I had to. There was no other way I was going to be able to make all of those changes. I had to, like, make healing my full-time job versus... So, so what did you notice? Kind of give me like a play by play over the course of that three months. Like, what happened? What did you notice? When did you recognize that something was changing? Just kind of walk me through that. Sure. Um, so, the protocol for natural treatment for me was a high dose vitamin C IV three times a week. 
Um, and there was a lot of stuff in that IV. It wasn't just vitamin C, um, but it was high dose, like 90 milligrams or 90 grams, excuse me, not milligrams, 90 grams of uh, vitamin C. And then it had B vitamins and magnesium and a lot of antioxidants and other things in there as well. And so I would go in and they actually told me to eat before I went in for my IVs, but I decided that I was going to implement intermittent fasting on my own on top of the ketogenic diet. So I did not eat when I went in to do those. Um, and they kept telling me, if you don't eat, you'll get lightheaded and maybe you'll get sick and whatever. And I didn't, I felt fine when I did those. So I would do the IV and then immediately after I would spend an hour in the hyperbaric oxygen chamber. So I did, that was my therapy three times a week, three months. And then I was also taking a crap ton of vitamins and minerals and supplements. They had me on mushrooms. They had me on modified citrus pectin, uh, melatonin, all kinds of stuff. Um, That's crazy. What, what was the hyperbaric oxygen chamber like? Um, I was nervous to get in there at first. I was afraid because you like get into this tube and they literally zip you in like you're locked in a chamber because it has to get you know airtight in order to change the oxygen. Um, so I was nervous. I was like, I'm going to get like freaked out if I get in there and I can't get out. They do give you a little alarm, like a little buzzer guy that you can push. So if you do have issues, you have a panic button. Um, so I was nervous at first, but when I jumped in there, I found, I discovered there's plenty of room, like you can move around. And so I just took like a tablet with me, my, like an iPad and watched movies or listened to podcasts or read books or listened to audio books, listened to a lot of, um, books about the metabolic approach to cancer <laughs> in the, in there. And it was fine. Um, little hard on the ears. So it's, um, it's very similar. It feels very similar to when you're on an airplane, like the pressurized cabin feel. It felt mm -hmm. like that when you're inside. Well, I mean, they've, they've shown, uh, I've seen diagrams, you know, of the, like the, the mouse studies where they'll take a mouse with, you know, some kind of cancer and they'll, they'll subject them just to hyperbaric oxygen chamber treatments, uh, like as, as one group, then they'll have that, you know, in tandem with ketogenic diet. And it's just amazing the reduction in cancer cell growth from those two stimuli alone. That's right. And that was exactly why I went ahead. And it, there's another reason why I felt confident going through with this kind of treatment. I had read a lot of what Dominic Diagostino had put out. And he had done a lot of, well, one study at least that we had researched and shown the reduction in cancer growth. Actually, it wasn't even growth. It was just like those tumor, the cancerous tissues themselves had shrunk significantly using hyperbaric oxygen and and it's funny because you look at what your alternative was uh so i mean you could have it all cut off which would obviously not be optimal and then or you could go through uh, all the radiation but then people that go through radiation the secondary you know after a few treatments of that yeah they just feel terrible i mean they like things just start shutting down like they're they just don't they're not healthy I mean, everything else, all the good stuff is dying too. Right. Whereas what, what you're doing, I mean, you're, you're going out of your way to improve the thing. So even, you know, independent of the cancer in its entirety, like your whole life is getting better. That's right. That's exactly right. And that's what I felt. Um, like if you look at pictures of me before and after, before when I was sick, I was overweight, um, like 233 pounds, I think. I'm only 5'3". <laughs> and um, I had dark circles. My skin was kind of goofy look like just dry and like old looking um I had breakouts uh, my hormones were not balanced uh, my hair was brittle my my nails were brittle like you can just by looking at pictures of me you can tell that I was not well off um in terms of my health 
and then pictures of me now mm-hmm. my skin is like you can tell my skin is moist and shiny my eyes are bright i don't have any dark circles anymore my skin my hair looks healthy my nails grow like crazy um i've lost almost 70 pounds like there's lots of difference in the way that i look and that's also reflected in the way that i feel and so every single week i just felt myself getting stronger and healthier and happier my mood changed um i used to have anxiety and depression those things went away as soon as my gut healed um, I, both of my autoimmune conditions went into remission. And then, um, when I got my cancer scans again, so I started treatment in, when did I start treatment? October-ish of 2017, February, scans were clean, no more cancer, all gone. So I'm almost two years, I'm a year and a half cancer-free. Did you ever go back and speak with the a traditional doctor? Or did you stay with the naturopath? I stayed with the naturopath. I get that question a lot. What did your oncologist think? I never actually went back to talk to my oncologist. <laughs> I guess there's no need to really, huh? Yeah, so I never went back to him. Um, my primary care doctor is still the naturopath that I've worked with forever since I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's way back when. Um, and I no longer see my naturopathic oncologist either. Um, I, don't, I don't need to. I just keep up with my scans every year and make sure that everything is still cancer, still free. And then I continue with most of the stuff that I implemented when I was growing I don't do dry brushing anymore. I don't do oil pulling anymore. Um, and I was able to discontinue most of the supplements that they had me on. I still take uh, vitamin A, vitamin D, and iodine on a regular basis. I was severely deficient in those three um, vitamins and minerals. And those are the most cancer protective out there. Um, so if you're deficient in vitamin A, vitamin D, and iodine, it's likely that you're gonna end up with some issue whether it's autoimmune or cancer. So I still take those on a regular basis. We've got those up. Um, what else do I do? I still exercise all the time. Um, right now I've started to implement weight training because muscle metabolism competes with cancer metabolism. So to avoid a recurrence, I'm trying to put more muscle on my frame. Um, speaking of muscle, it was really interesting to see what stress does to the body. Um, because mm-hmm. once I switched over to keto, and I was doing a therapeutic ketogenic diet, so it was very, very high fat, like 80 to 90% fat. Um, and I didn't go as low protein as a lot of folks say you should go for cancer. Um, but as the fat started to come off my body, I noticed I didn't have any muscle either. And it's not that I lost muscle because of the ketogenic diet. I lost muscle because my body was in an extremely catabolic state from chronic stress. I've been under such stress for so long that my body was kind of eating itself, even though I was feeding it lots of food like substance. <laughs> and so it's just very interesting. What, to the, see. what what have you done now or like continue to do to mitigate stress specifically? Yeah. So I never went back to a uh, conventional job. I actually decided to start my own marketing agency. And so I've been doing that and I work part time. I only work two days a week. I am very, very selective with the clients that I work with. Um, so if they stress me out, they don't get to work with me. Um, and then I exercise on a regular basis. I have become obsessed with cardio dance. I do a lot of hip hop, a lot of Zumba, a lot of dance fusion. And I do at least one class every day, sometimes two. So I find that those endorphins from the cardio really help. Um, I go to bed like same time every single night, no matter what, like at nine o'clock I'm in bed relaxing and winding down. I'm sleeping. And 
I need to talk things out. Like if I do get stressed, um, then I seek out, you know, support from my friends and family in order to talk that through and process it and let it go versus kind of hanging on to it and perseverating on it over and over and over again. What, what about your, what about your dad? I mean, I'm assuming you're probably not at the super high fat ratio that you were earlier. Or right. are you? Yeah. The fat has come down. I'm not quite at 80 or 90%. Probably. I don't think I ever dip below 70%. I'm still always usually at least standard keto macros, but I'm not super, super high fat currently. Do you think you would have continued to do keto even if there was no risk whatsoever of the cancer returning? Like if you were, uh, not, I mean, obviously it makes sense to stay keto to, to minimize any risk of that returning, but if, if it was guaranteed that that would not happen, you think you would stay keto? Oh yeah, for sure. What's the main reason there? Um, well, I feel great. And there's just so many benefits besides being able to avoid conventional cancer treatment. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it really helps with my autoimmune conditions. Um, they've both go on, gone into remission. So my TPO antibodies on my thyroid are the lowest they've ever been. Um, normal is uh, 35. And the last test I had a couple months ago was 22. So that's crazy. Uh, from Down from like 1100 something. <laughs> so that's awesome. And I don't have any symptoms of lichen sclerosis. And lichen sclerosis is like, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. It's the worst autoimmune condition ever. Your immune system is can, is attacking your genitalia. It's like you got permanent jock itch. Like it's terrible. Things rip and tear and the skin gets real sensitive and it's awful. Um, so keto seems to keep those things in check. And it seems to be with my blood sugar. Because since the cancer has been gone, I've done a couple of experiments where I've introduced some carbohydrates. Um, things I'm not sensitive to like potatoes or maybe some rice. And I've noticed that the symptoms start to creep back. So it keeps that in check. It also balanced my hormones. I used to be real bad estrogen dominant and that's all kind of evened out. Skin's great. Hair is great. Attitude's great. Libido's back, which is awesome. My husband's excited about that. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's great. That's great. Like well, everything, the... like everything's better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of a lot of females, uh, they assume that you have to have um, like the higher carbs to help regulate the hormones. But mm. you're kind of you're, you're obviously not doing that because for obvious reasons to to mitigate any of the adverse effects of um, you know any of the the cancerous tissues or whatnot. Have you noticed? I mean, any negative effects from keeping the carbs minimal? Nope, not really, not at all. Um, the hormone thing has been interesting because I follow Leanne Bogle and some other folks who talk about using strategic carb up, mm -hmm. um, specifically for women to balance their hormones. And I've always thought that's interesting because in my experience, um, you have hormone issues when the fat starts coming off because of all of the hormones and toxins and things that are trapped in your fat cells. Mm -hmm. So when you're actively losing weight on keto, it makes complete sense to me that some of your hormones would go a little bit wacky while those things are being processed. And so it makes sense that you would support your detox pathways to get rid of that stuff, which I was doing um, as part of my cancer treatment. And so I think that those things just kind of detoxed out. They had me on DIM, which is um, the concentrated ingredient in cruciferous vegetables that optimize estrogen pathways. And so that helped to kind of detox anything that was in my system. So I don't know, I don't know that there's a lot to be, I don't know if it's legit, carb up business or this requirement of carbohydrates for managing hormones in women. I don't know that that's a real thing. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't think it is either. I, I just I just don't have very much credibility in saying so because I'm not a woman. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I don't know. It just it makes sense that things would go wacky if you've got a lot of additional fat kind of releasing stuff into your system. Yeah, that's a good point. So is it really like because is it keto that's disrupting things and it needs to be balanced introducing carbs or is it really just detoxing your body and getting rid of that excess and then you all return to normal, which was my Yeah, plus when you lose, I mean, when you lose a lot of adipose tissue, which is pretty common when you adopt a ketogenic diet, I mean, that is going to have a temporary effect on your thyroid, which is obviously going to throw off mm -hmm. some hormones. Um, but once you regulate that, once it equalizes, you, it, that's not really, you don't equalize it by introducing the carb up so much as just giving your body the time right. it takes. Right. And I think that's exactly right. So talk to me a little bit about the specifics of your nutrition. If you're, you know, incredibly sensitive to dairy, yet you're following a ketogenic diet, what is, what is a typical day of eating? I'm assuming you're not downing the heavy cream, butter, and cheeses like a lot of people. That's right. Yeah, I do think so. There's a lot of folks that say, well, keto didn't work for me. I got sick on keto or I felt like crap or whatever. Keto flu aside, I wonder if folks are sensitive to dairy and they're leaning on dairy and replacing a lot of you know, carbs that they would have eaten before dairy products. Um, Probably. I think so. Um, so yeah, so no dairy for me. So no cheese, no butter, no cream. Oh, I miss butter. Instead, I do a lot of different kinds of fats. Um, I usually kind of rely on animal fat. I cook just about everything in bacon grease. I have a grease keeper on my stove, and every time I make bacon, I save the grease, and I just use it kind of for everything. Vegetables have become my conduit of bacon grease ingestion. <laughs> I like it. Um, so I do a lot of bacon grease, and then I do, like, beef tallow and lard. Um, uh, bison tallow I've discovered recently, which is pretty good. Duck fat. Chicken schmaltz if I can find it, but definitely hard to find. Um, occasionally, I'll do things like MCT oil, um, olive oil. Avocado oil I tend to stay away from because it's super high in omega-6, and so I need to keep inflammation down as much as possible. So trying to keep my omega-6, omega-3 balanced can be difficult if I have avocado oil in my diet. Um, yeah, so those are the types of fats I use instead for cooking. and. Um, Cacao butter is another one. So while I was going through cancer treatment in order to get my fats high enough, I actually lived off of ketogenic ice cream that mm -hmm. I would make at home, which was um, cacao butter base. I did a lot of that. And then, um, like I said, I didn't keep my protein as low as a lot of folks say that you should for cancer treatment. So I did a lot of ribeye steaks. I did a lot of um, Brussels sprouts covered in bacon grease. Um, if I had eggs, I would scramble them in swimming in bacon grease to make sure that they soaked up all of that. Um, I didn't intentionally cal calorie restrict, which is another thing that a lot of folks say that you should be doing when you're using keto for cancer. Um, I basically just took, kept track of my pie, my macronutrient pie, and made sure that my ratios were correct. And so if that meant I was at 500 calories that day, okay. If it meant I was at 2,500, 4,000 that day, okay. <laughs> Whatever it meant, or whatever that day. I just made sure that my macros were correctly kind of in the ratios. With carbs under, we count total carbs. I usually end up with carbs in like 20 to 40, usually under 20. Did you ever experiment with different varieties of dairy, like goat-based cheeses, yeah. for instance, just to see if it had an impact? Yeah, so my allergy uh, test actually came back. I was allergic to both cow's milk and goat's milk. 
And then after my gut had healed for a little while, goat's milk just kind of fell off my allergy report. I get it tested every six to eight months. Um, mm-hmm. so I tried some goat's milk cheese um, and I still reacted. It wasn't as strong of a reaction, but I still reacted. So I tend to stay away from all of that. I think this. And this is all done via blood test? Yep, all done through, through blood tests. When I get my blood taken, they take like eight vials of blood from me. Because I've been curious that I don't feel adverse at all if I if I consume dairy. If I have a whole bunch of dairy, then I don't feel optimal. But if I just, you know, have some heavy cream in my coffee or an ounce or two of cheese with my meals, I don't feel poorly. But I'm wondering if I do have a slight sensitivity because most people do. It's just, you know, so faint that it kind of goes under the radar. Well, and it's delayed, right? It would be a delayed reaction. So you may not notice until 24 hours later. Yeah. It's worth that's a worthwhile blood test, I think, for everybody just to get a yep. baseline uh, sensitivity test done. Absolutely, there's a test, an allergy test out there that you can order yourself called MRT. M is in mountain. Mm-hmm. MRT food sensitivity test. You can actually order that yourself now that tests are self-directed. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah. And you do that. You continue to do that every year. Yeah, I, it's been a little while since I've had it get done. Um, going in for a maintenance IV next week. So I think I'm going to have her. So she's got to poke me anyway. I think I'm going to have her draw for some, some food allergy testing. I think I'm having issues with black pepper. Uh, what about other spices? You notice anything with other herbs and spices? Um, not currently. So um, my journey, I've been allergic to like everything you can think of, including beef. <laughs> because leaky gut is such that anything you're eating on the regular, you develop a sensitivity to when you have leaky gut. Mm-hmm. And so my tests, I mean, I started with a test result of like 25, 30 different foods that I was allergic to. And now they come back with like three or four, so always gluten, always dairy. And then all the variations of gluten and dairy. And then usually one or two other things, but I've had garlic on there. I've had onions on there. I've had kidney beans, oranges, asparagus, beef, black pepper, nutmeg. Like, there's all kinds of random stuff. I don't even eat nutmeg. I think squid was on there too. And I don't even like, I don't eat squid. It's not a thing. So you'll find that um, if there's things that show up on your allergy test that you don't ever eat ever, it's because there's a molecule in them that's very similar to something else that you react to. And so your blood just develops antibodies. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. I've I've never had any known allergies, but here lately I've been drinking uh, kombucha. I just fell into this like mm-hmm. kombucha kick and I was experimenting with different, different types of ultra low carbohydrate kombuchas. And then I just started reacting terribly. I'd, I'd have them usually post-workout and then within minutes I'd flare up. I'd have all kinds of just like red blotches on my face and it, I'd be itchy. Um, so I've got some kind of in- sensitivity to whatever's in kombucha for sure. Interesting. Other fermented foods are not a problem? No, no, like I'll eat pickles, sauerkraut, none of that, never an issue. Huh. That's interesting. I wonder if there's something in the fermentation process that's different. Yeah, I don't know. I, but I've never done a full-blown sensitivity test, so I feel like that would be worth my while for sure. There, there's topical ones too where they, uh-huh. they put it on your skin to see if, you're, if your skin flares yep. up, right? Yep, that would be – Have you ever done that? I have that? done that actually. Um, it was a seasonal allergy test that I had, and they they pricked your skin and kind of applied some of the allergens to your skin to see if your skin reacted. Came back allergic to like mesquite hmm. pollen and juniper pollen, I think, which is interesting because I grew up in the mountains. There's mesquite and juniper and pine all over the place. 
That's interesting. Allergies are crazy. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah, allergies are a whole nother whole nother level. We used to be um uh what well, we actually still do technically have beehives and uh my mom would get all these all these allergies and then once we had the beehives she would eat the honey from that local uh you know colony and since they're gathering pollen from all these allergens that she had she actually kind of built up a a tolerance to it and she stopped reacting yeah. as bad oh i hear that a lot using honey they say to take what is it like a tablespoon of honey every day of local honey and because of the pollen that's involved in mm -hmm. that yeah it's gonna be yeah, local but I don't do too much honey anymore yeah. being keto now. That's, that's one kind of one delicacy I've had to step away yeah, from. No more honey. Absolutely. So I'm curious, what what is next for you now that you've got a clean bill of health and your whole life's, you know, not just from a health standpoint, it's been turned around, but from like a total wellness standpoint. I mean, your whole mentality shifted. Yeah, my everything has shifted. A lot of people tell me that I look younger or that I, um, I'm glowing is what they'll say. <laughs> so I was pretty worn out before right, that's, that's a good thing great um so now i've decided to try and pay it forward so i've gone back to school and i am earning my uh, holistic nutritionist certificate um at the nutrition uh what is it that's called nti nutrition therapy institute not nta mm -hmm. um so i'm going back to school to become a holistic nutritionist and my hope is to help other people kind of take control of their health through nutrition and, and lifestyle change um, and kind of live life on their terms, like do whatever they want to do, help them get stronger physically and mentally and enable them to do whatever it is they want to do. So I'll be finishing up this certificate. I'm also going through the uh, Functional Di Diagnostic Nutrition Practitioner Program so that I can order lab work for some of those clients. And then eventually I'll go through Dr. Nasha Winter certification so that I can get trained in oncology nutrition specifically so that I can help folks who are dealing with cancer diagnosis or avoiding recurrences. So that's what I'm doing now. I've got my blog all set up and my social media and I'm going to school and trying to build my following and share my story and I can start helping other people. That's that's the that's the best thing to do right there. Once you have success with something and you're able to pay it forward and have a positive message. I mean that the fulfillment you get from that is is unparalleled yeah, even, for sure. Even folks who hear my story, they ask me a lot of questions or they'll remember me when they start to have issues or family members do, and they come back and tell me the results of whatever it is that they did. And, oh, so awesome. Mm -hmm. They're like, I got off my diabetes medication or I got off my, I reduced my thyroid medication because my Hashimoto's improved or whatever it is that they're dealing with. It's way cool. Is there, I'm curious, is there like a, um, a directory for you know, naturopath oncologist, uh, you know, centers where they have these hyperbaric oxygen chambers where people can go and and look to this as an alternative means of, of curing themselves. Is that is that like a, a database for that? Um, there is a database for naturopathic oncologists. So if you're looking for someone to help help kind of add to your team from a natural standpoint, it's oncanp.org. O n c a n p dot org. And it's a directory of naturopathic oncologists, folks who are uh, experienced with cancer treatment from a naturopathic standpoint. So there's that. Um, and then as far as HBOTs, there are kind of clinics and things popping up all over the place because the biohacking trend has become really popular. So you might be able to just kind of Google and find an HBOT in your area. You'll be able to jump in. 
And there's a whole bunch of benefits that come along with that, you know, far outside of, uh, you know, cancer prevention. I mean, just simply performance yep. improvements. Absolutely. A lot of um, athletic clinics and things have them as well for that purpose. Um, I actually started the HBOT treatments shortly after I had surgery and I healed extremely fast. Um, part of my surgery was a biopsy of lymph nodes near the area just to make sure that things hadn't mm -hmm. spread. Um, and when you do that, um, because it damages your lymph system, they actually put drains in you, like a hose with a balloon on the end to make sure that the fluid mm -hmm. drains, doesn't collect in that area. And when like a week after surgery, when my surgeon went to remove my drains, they were kind of sticking, like they were kind of healing into me, <laughs> like my body was healing around them. And so that, wow. was, that was painful, but it was cool that I was healing so fast. And a lot of it was, I think, because of the oxygen treatment. That would make sense. That makes sense. I mean, that's why a lot of athletes use it, uh, you know, post recovery uh, yep. event, like some kind of crazy event or whatnot. A lot of them, a lot of them use the hyperbaric oxygen chambers. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to do some googling to see if I've got one of those in my ear because I'd be keen to to give it a shot for sure. Yeah, wherever you have, like, if you have a cryotherapy center in your area, then I would probably expect them to have it or know somebody who does. Mm hmm. It makes sense. And and what is what is your website? Like you just said your your blog's up and running. Where can people go to find out more about you? Yeah, so it's just heathercohen.com and my last name is spelled at C-O-O-A-N. Heathercohen.com and I'm Heather Cohen on Facebook and Instagram and I've got YouTube set up, but I don't have any content up there yet. I'm working on it. Weird for me to be on that side of the camera. I'm used to being behind it. Yeah. That'd be that'd be good though. And and when is you you're gonna be accepting clients after your your schooling? Yeah, so I'm actually, because I live in Arizona, which is a green state, I'm technically able to take clients now. So I'm happy to help folks if they're interested, as long as they understand that I will not be certified for Very cool. Well, I will certainly link out to, to your site so people can find you. But I'm just, I'm just happy for you. I mean, based off of what you told me, I mean, where you've come from to where you are now, where you're headed, it's just, it's pretty inspiring. Thanks so much. It's been a hard work, but it was totally worth it. Yeah, that, that's that's true with so many things. I mean, it's 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 unfortunate, but it's the the most common thing where people go to the doctor, they they get prescribed a drug or a pill, and they just yeah. they have this "woe is me" mentality. So it's refreshing to hear your story because you you know you you felt guilt almost because you you blamed yourself for your way of eating that led to this uh, you know diagnosis. But then on the same token, you've committed to to fixing it and putting in the work to heal the right way, which is admirable. Yeah, it was the only way it was going to happen. If I had gone through, I don't know, it it just felt to me like the like the conventional treatments were like the quick fix. Like they were damaging mm -hmm. and it was that, but it also felt like it was the quick fix. Like that method of treatment doesn't put any ownership on me. Like it, it's up to the doctors and their treatments and that's it. Like I don't get to participate in healing myself in that way, which means I wouldn't, I didn't have any skin in the game, which is kind of weird to say because I'm dealing with like what should be a life-threatening diagnosis. But it didn't feel like I was yeah. like I didn't have any buy-in going the conventional route. Going the natural route, like I had to do a lot of work. <laughs> I had to change my entire life um, fairly quickly. And so I don't know. I just I was like, that's gonna last. Like that's gonna benefit me more. So yeah, I mean, and so many people. Yeah, I mean, like when you put in that kind of work towards something. The last thing you want to do is cut a corner and sacrifice it and, and sidestep and go backwards. Whereas, like, if you're going in and just getting 
you know, like a surgery or not, I don't want to say just getting surgery, but if you're going in and getting a surgery, you're taking the drugs, it's like you don't have as n- near the sense of ownership that you do right. and having to put all the legwork in. So it's like, what, what can you do to set yourself up for long-term success in your mentality and approach towards it all? And I think, you know, you absolutely did the right thing. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's done me well so far. And I swear, I swear I've like de-aged. I've gone back in time like 20 years. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's fountain of youth, keto, healthy living, de- de-stress and, you know, the right kind of training. I mean, that's what you need right there. Absolutely. I totally agree. It's great. Well, Heather, it's been an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate the story. I mean, I feel like a lot of people that have been diagnosed with cancer or know some of the has. They may not know that this even exists as an alternative. So just simply getting the word out there and offering, uh, you know, what you've learned is is huge. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And if you are dealing with a, a diagnosis of this magnitude, even just knowing that ketogenic eating alongside whatever treatment you use is going to help benefit your case, that that alone is just is priceless. Like nobody's like very few people are going to choose a totally out of the bounds, crazy alternative treatments like I did. But if they just add keto diet alongside chemo or alongside radiation or surgery or whatever it is that they've chosen to make, that can be a game. Totally agree. Totally agree. Well, Heather, again, thank you so very much. I'll link out to those sites that you mentioned, um, your site, obviously, and then the other sites as well. Uh, but yeah, just keep, keep me posted. I'm curious to keep following along and see how things just continue to get better. Heck yeah, I definitely will. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. Have a good one.